Welcome to Real Estate Uncovered, presented by the Real Estate Inspection Company, where we interview every type of real estate industry expert to uncover some common and not so common real estate topics. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, I'm Philippe Heller. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Real Estate Uncovered. Today, we're going to talk about remediation. And joining me today from Clean Earth Restorations, I have Paul Sukatsky and John Melendez. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, thank you for joining me. You know, doing home inspections, we often find problems in a house uh, that really should be properly remediated. And um, I want to touch on what that means. What does it mean to properly remediate? A house. What is remediation? For us, it means diagnosing whatever the issue is. If it's a water loss, we try to find the source of the leak, the extent of the damage, and then set up a protocol and a procedure to dry the home out and to bring it to pre-loss condition. Obviously, if it's something different, such as a fire damage, that's pretty obvious. Usually, there's water damage involved as well after the fire department rolls through. And uh, we have to assess the actual damage and, again, bring the home back to pre-loss condition. Perfect. So let's, let's talk about the types of losses in that condition. There's, there's flooding. So uh, flooding can mean a lot of things. So let's cover that. What is, what is a flood to you guys? A flood can be a pressurized line, so a copper line what feeds your sinks and toilets. Um, you know, those can burst, which causes a lot of damages very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, there can be slower leaks because your your sink has a gasket that's blown. It's doing something very small. And um, then there's backups. Uh, your toilet can back up because there's a sewer clog somewhere. Um, and then there's even outside water. So the rain comes in really, really hard and your stucco is not up to par, then the water can come in from the outside. And again, there's still hundreds more variations. And those are tough because um, unless you have flood insurance, which is a different policy uh, from external sources, your insurance may not cover, like they'll cover a leaking pipe, a pipe burst, but they may not cover water that comes in from a creek or down a hillside. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So there, there is a belief there is a uh, an outside chance if it's a roof leak and it's windblown type of a thing where the shingles get blown off, there may be coverage. But if there's neglect and a roof has been let go and and it leaks, there may also not be coverage, as you had stated, with groundswell coming in. Got it. So we always think of uh, water damage and then the resulting mold uh, and, and um, direct, you know, kind of relationship to that. But what other remediation, uh, John, you mentioned fire, right? So, but what, uh, what is involved with that? Like, let's say somebody's furnace in their garage or their water heater catches fire, fire department comes and puts it out. Let's touch on that. And then also any, any other kinds of remediation that you guys deal with? Yeah. With fire jobs, uh, you know, and I think a lot of people forget about it is that it actually turns itself into a water loss as well because the fire department comes in with their hoses and they soak everything. Mm -hmm. So you have everything that's burnt up and charred out. Uh, then you have smoke that travels further than you would think. Um, you know, I would have a lot of times when I'm doing inspections and I'm walking to a different part of the home and the homeowner's looking at where, why are you going in there? And it's like, well, because look, you got smoke in here because they were thinking it's isolated in one area. And then again, the fire department with their hoses, they're soaking everything to make sure they're putting the fire out. 
Yeah. So walk us through the process, whether it's a uh, flood from a burst pipe, let's say, or, or even a sewage backup or, or any kind of remediation that you do. Somebody calls you uh, probably pretty, pretty upset, but what does the process look like and why should they go through a proper licensed remediation company rather than just, you know, calling or doing it themselves or, or just calling some friends to clean it up? Okay. So I'll put it like this. Uh, if you had a pipe that burst, first you're going to, you're going to call a professional anyways, because the damages are just so severe. You're a, a normal person is going to look at that and be like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. Um, so in those scenarios, we would come out, we would want to get all the bulk of the water out immediately, then start assessing all the different rooms that could be affected, get airflow going, start getting, you know, the environment to what we need it to be to dry it out properly. Then you're going to start removing necessary materials. And as long as it is clean water, you know, we would be able to be very strategic on how much demo we actually do. Um, in some cases, the water can just, there can be just so much that you're pretty much almost gutting the house because it would be faster that way. Um, but also to, we try really hard to save whatever materials we can and again, be strategic on how we cut. Um, now, if this was a sewage backup, a lot of times people that will happen and they're not going to think, oh, I need a professional for this. I'm just going to mop it or put towels out and, and handle it myself. But the problem with that is especially if you're in like an apartment complex, um, there's a lot of contaminants that come from there. And now you're putting yourself at harm. Or if you have little ones, you're putting them at harm's way. And that, again, it should be the same importance for the pipe burst to get a professional out as it is getting a backup. You need to get the professionals out there so that we can get it under control, get it disinfected, and get all the uh, porous materials removed so that there is a less chance of anybody getting sick. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, that, those all the lingering bacteria stays. It's you've got to make sure you do it right, and it's similar to mold. Um, you know, we have people who cut you know damaged sheetrock out themselves and um, end up spreading the mold spores, or they think that they can just spray some bleach on it, but that's not really cleaning it up, right? Like, why should people not use bleach just to clean up some uh, moldy sheetrock? Well, especially for when it comes to sheetrock, um, if you can think of mold kind of like weeds, you know, if you if you just rip the first thing that you see, the root is still on the ground. So when the rain comes back, that root is the, the that weed is going to come back twice as strong. It's going to be bigger every time. And I've noticed with mold, especially when people tell me, yeah, I've been cleaning it and cleaning it. It's gotten worse and worse and worse. Um, and I've noticed even in Home Depot, they actually have a section that says mold treatment. Yep. And I, it, it blows me away to think that they're actually advertising people to go and clean it themselves versus getting an actual professional to remove it properly. Yeah. So, so the danger, of course, is um, or the next step then would be, hey, I can cut this out myself. Mm -hmm. And I can patch sheetrock. How hard can it be? But what are the ramifications of, of, you know, cutting out a moldy piece of wood or sheetrock? Yeah. So if you remove it like that, you know, and you're not having any kind of isolation or doing any kind of airflow management, all the things that we would be doing, uh, you're disturbing it. And now you're making all those tiny little spores 
burst out into the rooms and now it's going to keep spreading around and then those spores can actually land somewhere else and if they ever find a water source they're going to grow there as well so it's it's just really important to like when when, when we are removing it we are removing it in a controlled manner so we're having isolation we're doing controlled demo we're making sure we have excellent airflow with negative pressure like we're doing everything we can to try to minimize the disturbance to not only protect the residents but also to protect the technicians themselves they're having uh, techniques and procedures for themselves because a respirator is still only going to protect you so much yeah let me let me go further with that Philippe. the uh, the question you had first asked was about bleach and, and people hand wiping down Remember, bleach is 99% water and 1% sodium hypochloride. All the hypochloride does is take the color out of the mold. It doesn't actually kill it. And 99% of it being water is, is, as John said, feeding the root that's still in the drywall. So uh, two things, you don't want to just wipe the surface and then without proper containment and negative air with HEPA filters, you're, you're allowing the spores to travel to other parts of the home and what people don't realize is there's a million spores on the tip of a pin. They may see an area the size of a fist that seems like a small amount of mold to remove that they can do it themselves. But if there's a million spores on the tip of a pin, that fist size blob of mold in the, in the drywall is, is a lot of spores that can end up in places they shouldn't. So, so uh, yeah, we tell people if you're going to use bleach that it can only be used on non-porous materials like maybe the toilet tank or you know the tub itself or or you know the actual metal part let's say of a window frame that's that's okay or sometimes mold develops on the uh, glass from condensation that's okay but once it's on a porous material of any kind they need to call in a professional and that material needs to actually be cut out and replaced now and there's another problem with just cutting out sheetrock especially in older homes so john what about if you're living in a, you know, 1958 bungalow and, and you have some stuff and you start hacking away? What are the other dangers? So if it's 1950s, you're more likely going to run into more lead products. So let lead uh, based paint. Um, but then you also can run into the chance that you're going to be disturbing asbestos. Um, and especially in some years, um, the asbestos, if you're taking an asbestos sample, it can be anywhere from 1% to 2%, you know, per just a tiny little uh, speck of drywall. Um, but also too, let's say you were, you had something going on in a ceiling and you have the, the famous uh, stucco, not stucco, popcorn ceilings. Yes. Um, that can have 10 to 20% of asbestos in there. And it's the same concept with mold that when you start chopping away at that, now you're disturbing it and now you're making it airborne and you're contaminating your, your whole living space. Yep. It's and an so carcinogen and, and it's the most regulated substance in, in building materials is asbestos. And so just so people understand, when when a professional company is called to do remediation on an older home, you're required to test for asbestos in addition to, say, mold or something like that. Is that before you start removing sheetrock? Is that true? Yeah, correct. Before we start any kind of demolition, if the house is of age, um, we are going to have any material that we're going to disturb tested. Excellent. Okay. So we touched on um, insurance. We briefly talked about that, but what what is the best way to approach it? Let's say I get home today and I realize my uh, toilet uh, fill valve got stuck and, and flooded part of my house. And, you know, my first call after shutting off the water 
is maybe to my insurance company before I call you? Is that, I mean, how does this normally work and what should people be aware of when they're talking to their homeowner's insurance? So a lot of the times when you are signing up for an insurance policy, uh, there's usually a clause in there that's stating you as a homeowner are responsible to mitigate any damages. So, and so the first call really should be us, you know, especially depending on how severe the damages are. Make the first call should be us because while we're on our way and diagnosing everything, then you can make your call to your insurance company. Okay. Um, you know, and 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 also we'll be able to even give you a better understanding if this is something that's going to be covered or not, and we'll be able to actually kind of uh, pokes you into it, but. Another part is your deductible. So you don't want to call right away because if you go there and and then I get there and you tell me this, you have a five thousand dollar deductible and it's you know one square foot of drywall that's affected. You know I'm going to tell you you should probably try to handle this on your own. Right. That's wise. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, have you had problems with insurance? Because I know sometimes there's latent problems. Um, you know something that's been there for a while and and the fear is that your insurance company. Uh, we'll only take care of immediate stuff. But what about what about something that's latent? What how should people approach that? The be- the best way to approach that is is you know you you give them the information on how you found it, you know the to the to the best of your ability, and you know you kind of just have to be at the mercy of the adjuster, and and hopefully it's something that they will cover, um, you know. And the only way to look at it is like the worst thing they're going to say is no. Um, that it's not covered. And then again, we are still there to help you through that process on giving you options on how to handle it and, you know, the next steps. There's so many different variations of of long-term leaks. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly how to handle each one. Um, bottom line is if if you knew about the leak and you ignored it and and it was purely something that you sat on, more than likely you're not going to be covered. So the moral of the story is number one, know your house, learn how to shut off the water, right? Right away. So you should not have to be scrambling around figuring that out. And, um, and number two, address any problems as soon as possible, right? Don't, don't wait till the end of the weekend thinking you're going to clean it up and then realize it's, it's too far. It's out of your hands. So you should call a professional right away. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Another reason to jump on it too, Philippe, is that, uh, the drywall, if, especially if there's standing water on the floor, a pipe is burst and you've got a half an inch to an inch of standing water, it, the capillary action will bring the water up the drywall literally like a couple inches per hour. So the longer it sits, the higher up in the drywall and the more damage to the home or structure is happening. So time is of essence. And, and as John had stated, uh, getting in touch with the carrier once the professional is on site is never a bad thing because then we speak the same language as the adjusters. We don't know the policy, but the adjuster probably does, should. And we we can have that conversation with them and help decide whether based on the size of the deductible and the size of the loss, is this something they should put on their, as a claim on their care, on their insurance policy? Because not always is it the right thing to do. If it's equal to the size of the deductible, it makes no sense to file a claim. Uh, and have that on there uh, okay. because it follows the home. That's but. true. Yeah, very true. And you want to, you know, if you're selling a home, it's very important that you, obviously there's a disclosure law. So if you had a, a significant leak, you need to disclose it. But you also want to be able to say, I had it 
remediated properly by a professional company like Clean Earth Restoration so that so that the buyer will feel confident that he's moving into a house that's not going to have a recurring problem. If you just say, hey, my painter took care of it, you know, there's that lingering doubt that maybe there's still mold behind that wall and it wasn't taken care of properly. We, we've done work where uh, I've actually sat in as an expert witness on cases where uh, a management company would call in primarily a handyman to clean up a sewage uh, uh, exposure in a condominium. And the people were not malicious at all, but they suffered great deals of, of, of medical issues and, and situations based on the fact that the sewage wasn't handled properly. They got an attorney involved and the attorney hired me to primarily just state how a sewage loss is supposed to be handled and the steps that you're, the standard of care you're supposed to use. And it was far different from what they received. So therefore the obvious the tenant prevailed in the situation. So you're right that you want to have good documentation. If you're the seller or even the buyer, knowing what you're getting into, if there's ever been an event that's happened in the home and if it's happening during the course of the sale, you really want things to go well for both sides. <laughs> We've had that where um, agents or clients will be running around following the home inspector and they're excited and they want to participate and they've turned on fixtures, plumbing fixtures, thinking they're helping. <laughs> and we've had cases where they've caused a flood. They're upstairs in the upstairs laundry room, turning on faucets at, at that utility sink, which does not have an overflow drain and flooded, flooded the house. We've had that happen a couple of times. So we always you know, tell people don't don't run ahead. The inspectors got it. But um, yeah, that's no fun during escrow when the house floods and it does happen. But touching back on what, what you were talking about, the um, condo complex, a very real world example I'm going through right now, my dad uh, at, at the apartment where he lives, there was a leak at the shower pan upstairs and the owner just sent his handyman to chop out the ceiling in my dad's unit <clears throat> to repair the leak at the pan didn't use any proper containment. It is an older building. My guess from being there is it's probably built early 60s or even late 50s. No testing for asbestos. And my dad, who's 84, he's old and has had some health issues, came down with a fungal infection shortly thereafter. Is it coincidence? Is there correlation? We don't know. We had a mold test done. There were elevated levels of mold once they opened up. You know, obviously there's been an ongoing leak. And um, he's in the hospital right now. And it, it and they're treating him for that fungal infection. So it is real. Uh, like there's anything I can tell you from a real world example is that if you don't do proper containment, and especially if you're a landlord, we have so many people who own investment property and there's a problem. Do the right thing. Have it remediated properly. Don't try and cut corners because as Paul said, if, if, if there's a health issue after the fact, there could very easily be litigation based on your um, trying to take a shortcut and save a few bucks. And if somebody gets sick, uh, a kid, especially you could be opening yourself up to a lot of liability. So, um, while we're still going a little dark here, um, what we think about fires and floods, uh, what other kind of remediation is there? Like what else, what else do you guys deal with? John? So we also deal with, uh, trauma and crime scene cleanup. And this can be anywhere where, uh, somebody has died in their home with natural causes. It could be suicide. It can be a homicide. Uh, bottom line, it's something that nobody wants to have to deal with. 
Um, but this is something that this is another service that we do. It is it has similar traits to water and fire, um, but it is a completely different beast. Um, the pr the procedures are way more strict. The PPE that's needed is uh, much higher um, than it would be for like mold. Um, and it's just kind of overall a different process. And at the end of the day, the goal is to make sure that when you come back or when somebody in the family comes back to their home, that there's not going to be any evidence of any kind of blood or, or body fluids or anything like that. <clears throat> and there's also a chance that there could be odor along with it. So that's the other part of our goal is to make sure that when you come back, that's kind of the last thing you can, you know, you right. want to think of. Yeah. Uh, have you ever had to deal with, um, let's say a hoarder house or somebody who had pet urine that has just, they can't clean up. That's, you know, permeated the baseboards and the drywall and the flooring. Is that something you guys deal with as well? Yeah. So we do hoarding and, and hoarding can also be, uh, very different because there's, uh, kind of like the, how you were stating, there's the ones that are just gross filth. Like there's a lot of trash. There's, uh, you know, uh, animal waste throughout the home, uh, pee jugs, that's a popular thing, unfortunately. Um, and But then there's the other side where it's not really gross, but they like items and there can be all kinds of stuff. I've seen, I've seen homes with tons of expensive tools and all kinds of toys that have never even left the box. Yeah. They just will buy things and store it in their home. We so you, kinda, you can kind of slide the bar between those two points of being really, really gross and uh, just having a lot of stuff and you can get all kinds of different variations of, of orders. Yeah, we've seen that during doing inspections. Um, and you're right. It can be disgusting hoarder houses to people who just have a buying compulsion and they'll have, you know, 10 pairs of the same shoes in the box and, yep. you know, newspapers that they're going to read someday and they just save them. So it's, it's interesting. Um, we actually have a, a specialist with our company and she happens to be the owner that goes out and works with the psychology of the actual illness because it is an illness. And yes. um, oftentimes we don't do the job, but we give them some resources to help themselves with it, depending on the nature of the job. A lot of times the, the hoarding, uh, is passed on to, to family members. Someone passes away and the kids come from another state and they go, oh my God, the home's full to the top. And uh, they, they need a lot of information. They need a lot of um, support as to what to do. And we offer that. And again, if we're, if we're not a good fit for it, we explain that to the people and let them uh, uh, use some other uh, resources that the county offers. But there is definitely a psychological aspect to this that needs to be dealt with. And we've connected people with the proper channels to get that kind of help as well. Because you got to figure if, if the hoarder's still around and you clean the house out, but the hoarder goes back into the house, what, what do you think will happen in the next six months? Same situation. That's really cool that you take into account the human aspect of whether it's a crime scene or you know, an elderly parent who just needs their house cleaned up. So kudos to you. It's not just a, a job. And that's, and that's why, you know, I asked you on the show, we, we like working with you guys. We know you're honest and uh, we, we only like to work with or recommend anybody who's at the top of their field and provides the best service. So 
Um, anybody who's listening, get a pen or your phone out. Um, uh, Paul, why don't we tell people how to get a hold of you? Uh, website, phone number, email. What's the best way to get a hold of you? All of the above, but I'll give I'll give you all of those. Our, our direct line is 619-284-4239, and that's a 24-7 number that will get a result. If it's not a super emergency, a message will be taken. If it's a super emergency, then it gets passed through if it's after hours or someone answers live during the daytime as we have a staff here. Uh, the, the other way, if you just want to get on our website and check us out and maybe put in an inquiry for something that needs attention, uh, cleanearthrestorations.com would be the, the way to find us on the website. And uh, our email that gets to all the people that matter here at Clean Earth would be info, I-N-F-O, at cleanearthrestorations.com. And that's with an S on restorations. Correct. Yeah. Well, fantastic. John, Paul, thank you so much. Uh, that was a ton of information. And I mean, we're going to link this in our reports, just if we ever have to refer to remediation, just for the explanations you guys gave. So I do appreciate it and stay safe. And thank you again. Thanks thank for you. your time, Philippe. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Real Estate Uncovered with the Real Estate Inspection Company. Connect with us at sdinspect.com or call 800-232-5180. If you haven't done so already, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Thanks again and catch you next time.